0: Well, good morning. It's a great day, isn't it? Beautiful out. It's kind of why I moved to Arkansas a month or so ago. I wasn't sure, but um, beautiful day. Hey, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look in the ninth chapter. We're going to start with some other verses, but that's where we're going to kind of hang out today, the ninth chapter. Um, if you have not been here before, or you're just kind of like my wife and I, kind of slipping in and out. We were gone for a few weeks. If you didn't notice, that's okay. Um, but we're back now, and uh, if you want to catch up and listen, we're going through a series in the book of Mark, and it's been pretty amazing. Learned a lot about it. It should actually be called the book of Peter, if truth be told, because it's Peter's gospel. Mark just writes it down. He chronicles. He is Mark's disciple and he's writing all this down. So sometimes you realize it when you see just how good of light Peter's in. And then other times you realize it by the truth that Peter shares, and the only one who puts the pen to the paper is Mark and some of these stories on Peter. Um, But if you want to do that, you can go to compassnwa.org to grow. That's one of the pull-down menus, drop-down menus. When you go to it, You can go to the podcast. And I just did that, and I'm hoping that the people in the back don't get too mad at me because sometimes it takes a little bit of time through the summer to catch back up. So uh, you can work slowly through them all. You can go back a couple years if you want to and just keep working on it. Well, I said we're in the ninth chapter. It's kind of interesting. Jesus' ministry is changing, it's changing from public ministry. (laughs) And for the most part, he's going to stop his public ministry. And now for the next six months in his life, we're going to follow him through as he teaches and trains and develops and does all that he possibly can, teach the disciples what's coming. It's kind of exciting to me to think that we get to follow along. We get to listen in on his teaching to his disciples. The challenge is is that, like them, we may be a little slow to learn. Um, We just don't always, you know, we don't always get it right away. It sometimes takes a little bit of time, but we'll start going through it. In the coming weeks, we're going to uh, also have some teachings. We're going to talk about sin and part of the challenge of that. We will discuss lessons on divorce, handling wealth, leadership, children. Mark kind of gets into all of it. So if you've enjoyed this study, we're just going to keep rolling through it. His 12 disciples, um, let's go for a walk with them, because today we're going to look at what can happen when we walk with Christ, sit with Christ, talk with Him, and listen to Him. But we're also going to see a little bit of what happens when we don't. Today, if we summed up our study in one word, it would be humility. The other day, when Sherry asked me what I was teaching on, I said, you don't have to worry. I got this. I, I mean, this is easy, not a problem. So she said, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, it, I mean, it's like my best subject ever. We're talking about humility. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I told her I was prepared. She rolled her eyes. I had to say it a couple times, humility, and I said it with smirks, and she kept looking at me. You know, there's a problem with our culture today. We probably don't even know what humility is. But in a word, if we were to sum up Christ and his life, it would be humility. And man, we're... We're sometimes so far from that and running so hard the other direction and trumpeting our great deeds and all the amazing things we've done. The disciples were the same way, and I guess that makes me um, in pretty good company. If you watch, read, listen to any form of news, entertainment, I'm going to guess you'll come away with a similar conclusion that humility is not at the top of too many people's lists. In fact, it seems foreign to fallen human DNA. For you see, we have we have fallen into a world that is well, it's first proud, a world that thinks that I am first, and sometimes. It thinks only of itself. We celebrate in this world those who stand or sit or even sometimes kneel on the accomplishments of others. And then have the audacity to declare themselves, I am the greatest. It's interesting, but the Bible calls us to humility. I mentioned it before, but I do think it's the single most identifying characteristic of Christ Himself. If we can learn to walk in humility, do you know it produces great blessings? All from God. And I say, if we can learn, I don't know if any of you have been like me, Have, have any of you ever been humbled by God? Right? But it's interesting because it's not the way God prefers it. He really doesn't prefer to humble you. He wants us to become humble. He wants us to learn it. He wants us to develop it. Let's look a little deeper into his word. We're going to read some verses. We're going to go to Isaiah. And if we can pull up the verses from Isaiah. There should be just one. There we go. My hands have made both earth, both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Let's look at Micah. Mike is going to tell us something a little bit more. And we've probably sung this song before. The Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Let's look at another one. We're going to find this in Luke. These are Jesus' words himself. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled... And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, you might think there's a little contradiction, but let's look and see what Jesus is actually saying. He actually goes on to let us know that he is putting up a stop sign. He is standing against those. In fact, let's go to James. I believe we have a verse in James. Maybe? James? No, James? She's looking at me going, 1 Peter? Let's not go there yet. If we were to go to James, if the person who made these slides had gotten it right, (laughs) humble me, humble me, oh Lord. Um, God opposes the proud, He gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Do you know how it finishes out? It then goes on and says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. God opposes the proud. It actually says he puts a stop sign up. He stops the proud. He says, I I will have nothing to do with you. He opposes them. Kind of sounds like at times he's opposed me because I know I've been proud and pretty excited about what I accomplished and what I did and how it made me feel and what it looked like. And he says, no, 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 no. Remember earlier we read that he will exalt those who humble themselves. So if we are all about ourselves, if we are all about advancing our own cause, I don't know where we would get this idea from the media, but if we were to read any of it, and we heard anything like that, we might realize that God opposes that. And then we might ask ourselves, is there anything we can read or listen to or be a part of, maybe outside of Scripture, that doesn't talk that way? By defending themselves, by making themselves look better, or by putting others down, God opposes them. When we read the words, or where I read the words, he gives grace. Another translation says, he favors the humble. He blesses those who walk with him in humility. He challenges us to look at who we are in the light of who God is. When he says the word so, the word so says, so humble ourselves. When we see ourselves, not as number one, not even as number two, but as number three God, others, and the myself. This is brought out in 1st Peter. We can go there now. 1st Peter chapter 5, 5 and 6. And all of you serve each other in humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and to the right time he will lift you up in honor. And this whole Set up, we're starting to understand a little bit, I think, of what Jesus is trying to tell and and help the disciples understand. Because we're going to go through this amazing conversation that happens as they walk to Capernaum. And I think that their ideas are not much different than the ideas that happen today by our current culture. At every opportunity, we tear down the humble. First, biblical humility is not recognizing that we have no talents. I think we have a picture of Eeyore. He's one of my favorites. There's, Eeyore. You remember Eeyore? Eeyore would kind of talk like this, and everything was a downer. If Eeyore were a Christian, I'm not sure he is, but if he were, he might sound a little bit like this. I can't sing So I guess I'm not important. You see, we judge ourselves against others. And I don't know what you think is important. I've always thought singing was important until I did it. And then I thought, it's not that big of a deal. Anybody can sing. If I wanted to sing, like Jamie, I could. No, I can't. But too often, we judge ourselves against other people. Well, if I could just do this. Man, if I was just really pretty. I wouldn't look like this. Um, Any of those things, we, we set ourselves up in comparison. And then I don't know if you're like me, but when I do that, this jealousy, envy, pride, all that, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's understanding what gifts and talents we've been given, we've been blessed with where they come from why we've been given those i think rick warren says it really well in his book the purpose-driven life bring that up it's an it's a quote it's from rick warren and if we don't bring it up i'll mess it up because it's so well said and so profound i'll goof the purpose-driven life and it will there we go humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less. We're not to go ahead and judge ourselves by what are we have or what we don't have. Humility is to think less of ourselves, which would leave kind of a big cavity because I think about myself all the time. So what should I think about? Maybe we should get into some of today's Verses. Because life is not about me, but about others. Taking our eyes off self and seeing others as God sees them. By losing our life, we find it. And how do we do that? Here are some thoughts from our text today For me to be less, Christ must be more. But you say that, that's true regardless of what you say. And you're right. But you see, God has given me the right and you the right to live the way we want to live. And focus on what we want to focus on. And sometimes that self. You see, with my life in the center being the most important, my needs over everyone else's, I am the greatest. Let's get back to the truth, though. Christ is the greatest because he is and has been throughout all eternity. You see, it started with the cross and it ends with the cross. Let's go read our verses for today. Mark 9. From there they went out, began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will arise three days later. Now catch this, because I think it's where you and I probably are more often than we probably would like to admit. But they did not understand this statement. We sometimes, I think, feel like we've got an idea of how everything should be, how it should all work out. And right here, Christ throws a monkey wrench in their plans. And he says, this is the way it's going to be. He's already told them. If you were here just a couple weeks ago, he's already told them in chapter 8 this, these very words. And he is going to keep telling them over and over and over. And why? Because this is it it's the cross. See, he came to our planet and he wants to tell us, each and every one, about the cross. See, the proud, haughty person that I am, I sometimes need to be reminded, that was meant for me. That's mine. And he says, no, I came to take it. See, they didn't understand, and I venture a guess, that often we don't either. Let's look at Luke. In Luke, we're going to see a parallel verse and he says it just a little bit differently let these words sink into your ears this is Jesus saying it let these words let them really permeate I don't think Jesus is mad when he tells the disciples over and over again I think he understands the human plight we're kind of slow I think he's being super kind here please let these sink in this is your problem The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. And you don't understand it. But really, listen. Listen and see what's going on. In Luke's account of this day, we find in these words, quoting Jesus, think more about the cross. Think about his sacrifice. Think about him. His atonement. His redemption. Of you and of me with Christ's acknowledgement of his upcoming suffering and ultimate death on a cross, what happens in our conversation? Let's go back and read a little bit more because the conversation keeps going as they walk on a Capernaum. We're going to go back to Mark and we're going to find out. And they were afraid to ask him because they, remember, they don't understand, they're afraid to ask him. And then they came to Capernaum and they went into the house. Many think it's Peter's house. They go into the house and he began to ask them questions. Why because he would heard a lot as he walked along. And it wasn't, wow, Jesus gave us this amazing comment. No, it's, we don't understand it. So we got something else on the docket. We've got a list and an agenda. Let's go through it. Okay, guys, which one is going to be the greatest? It kind of sounds like my house growing up. Kind of sounds like my house when we got older and we had two kids in the house. I don't think it's going to sound that much different when we hang out with our granddaughters. Once again, I think it's the plight of humanity. And Jesus lovingly just says, What were you discussing on the way? He knows, right? He just asked the question. I love the response because it's just like I would say it. They kept silent. I didn't see a cookie jar. Was it my hand? I think it was, I think it was probably John's hand. You love him. Can you have an extra one and give me a cookie? I mean, we'll come up with anything. But here they just keep silent. For from the way they discussed with one another, which of them was called the greatest? Sitting down, he called the 12. And he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, He shall be last of all and servant of all. He knew what they were talking about. We just, we find out. And he answers their question You want to be first? You want to be greatest? Be servant. Then he takes a child. This is very interesting. Do you know why he takes a child? Because in our agrarian culture, back in the day, back in Capernaum, back when this is all being written, children are not much of a commodity. Unless they get beyond the age five or six or seven. Because they're dying. 50% of them. So don't even get close to these kids. We're going to lose half of them. And he takes a child who has no intrinsic value on its own. Who really isn't going to give anything yet. I'm guessing this is a two or three year old. You're still kind of wondering, are they going to make it? Uh, You know, do I feed them enough, too much? Uh, Some of the other kids that are growing strong, I want to give some of the food to them. This isn't easy to come by. He takes a child. Whoever receives one child like this, and I think the like this means small, tiny, can't contribute to anything to society. In my name, receives me. And whoever receives me, does not receive just me, but him who sent me. What a thought. What an amazing thought. So Jesus is trying to teach the disciples, you want to be great? Serve. Quit worrying about how good you are. Unless it's in taking care of those who have nothing to give back. Because you're all trying to advance your kingdom. Let me tell you how my kingdom's going to go forward. When we advance our kingdom, and I've tried, I don't know if you ever have, I mentioned it earlier, we end up with pride or self doubt when we see somebody who does it way better or different or just more talented. There's envy, there's insecurity, there's jealousy. And when we watch and judge others, we miss. We miss following Christ. We miss talking to him. We miss reading about him. For you see, the Lord is to be exalted. This Jesus comparison with the child I said they had no intrinsic value that's not completely true they don't in our economy or in their economy but can I tell you in the economy of heaven oh they are of great worth and do you know there's rewards in heaven and we will receive those And I think God will lavishly deliver rewards. And we kind of get sometimes a little uncomfortable with that. But, oh, to love and to have been loved and to share that love, I think we'll receive them greatly. And we will smile knowing that it was his love that changed us. And by changing us, we were allowed and free to love others. And we did it so in such a way that it honored Jesus because we loved like we would have loved Jesus. Now, if Jesus walked through today, I'm going to guess everybody here would rush up to try and serve him, right? Oh, man, I'd want to be in that line. What's Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'm I'm pretty humble, and I'm going to do some nice things for him. It'll be great. Now, hopefully that's not what I would say, but I think I'd get in that line. I might even knock over a few people I thought I could get by and around. And the older I get, the more I know I get knocked down too. So it'd probably go both ways. But we'd be fighting to get in there. What about the person who has no value to us? I don't care how you see that person. You fill in the blank. But that person, would you love them like Jesus loves? Let me read to you how Jesus loves. We're going to go to a whole other... Place We're going to go into Philippians. We're going to end with these verses. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility. Once again, God can humble us, but what if we did it just because we wanted to understand what humility is and what true love is? What if we went that far? To just give like Jesus gave. Let's read a little bit more of how He does it. Of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, now this is interesting, and let's let's not miss. What's not being said, but how important what not being said is. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. What it's saying is he was God. Now, he didn't look at it and say, okay, you know, this is who I am, but that's who he is. He stepped down, he humbled himself. And he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Boy, that's what I want to be, don't you? Oh, please make me a servant, a slave. I don't know that we say that, but if I could be a slave to Christ, I think I would know what that would mean. It would mean I would serve others. Others who may not bear likeness to me at all. The way they talk. The way they look. Anything. But Christ says, but being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at that name, the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow. You know, when I listen to the news, I don't hear too many of those stories. I feel bad. I wish I heard more of them. I'll read some books from time to time. Sherry will find an article and she'll let me read it. Sometimes the words confuse me a little bit. But I, if they're not a lot of pictures. Um, but I'll look through them and think, wow. The, those are the few people I'd like to be like. But ultimately, my prayer is that I'll come back and read passages like this and understand where that comes from, where my desire to be a person of, oh, great importance, of great humility, of great service really comes from. It's from this. It's from looking and studying and understanding and acting more and more on who Jesus is, on what he's done for me, how he's changed me, how he's given me an opportunity to be more than just eor, to be somebody to be exalted by serving others. That's my prayer, that we serve each other, that we love each other unconditionally, with lavish love, and that we see each other through those eyes that only Christ can give us, that we look and we see Jesus. And in so doing, we touch, we care for, we feed, we clothe as he would. That's my prayer. That's my hope. It's kind of my longing. Lord in heaven we will keep our eyes on you for we know you will be looking at us may we understand why may we not cower or fear may we realize that you will never ever take your eyes off us for you love us way too much to ever do that thank you Look down upon us and see his faith, we pray. Amen.